Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Hello and welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. My name is James Rafael Gonzalez and I'm your host. Just kidding, I was just checking to see if you were paying attention during the intro. I am Jim Heskett. And this is the Thriller Fiction Podcast, episode, season four, episode five, I think. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Or maybe six. I don't even know. Anyway, what's well, that's not important. What's important is today we are going to be reading the first chapter of the novel Airbag Scars. Airbag Scars is book zero in the Micah Reed series. And in terms of the uh, Micah Reed chronological edition that we're reading from, it's almost halfway through. Book Zero in the Micah Reed series has never been published. It's never been available for sale. Well, that's not true. It was available for sale for a few weeks, but it's not currently available for sale. You cannot purchase this book. The only way to get it is to get it for free at jimheskett.com. And you go there, and then you enter your email address in the thing, and then you get the book plus some other stuff for free. And if you haven't done that yet, you absolutely should. Why in the world would you turn down free stuff? All you have to give up is your email address, and that adds you to my reader group. And, and that when you do that, you're going to get more free stuff like free short stories and another free novella uh, starring Lane Parrish and yada yada, a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Anyway, how are you doing? I hope you're well. Um, today's chapter is kind of a long one, so I'm going to go ahead and get into it. And then after I read the chapter, we'll do some commentary and behind the scenes info on the back of it. All right, here we go. Even before he could open his eyes, streams of pain trickled throughout Micah's body, knees, chest, and back mostly. But his hands also throbbed with a revolving ache, as if he'd been holding a hammer and batting at nails all day. Then awareness blinked into his knuckles. Stinging like paper cuts appeared and he felt the crusty covering of dried blood in the knuckle grooves. He settled into the world as his vision returned and at first he saw only a crinkly beige fabric with stitched seams. Around that was darkness. Car. He was in a car and the fabric was the deflated airbag protruding from the steering wheel and caressing his face. He tried to turn his head and discovered two distinct sensations, a stretching yawn of pain throttling his neck, and also the jittery slowness of a deep drunk. He inhaled a lungful of air and the pain in his chest burned until he had to cough the breath out in jagged hitches. So much didn't make sense. He'd been in an accident, that was for sure, but finding himself behind the wheel of a car? No matter how many times he'd relapsed and ended up blacking out drunk, he would never get behind the wheel of a car. Micah Reed may have had a long history of questionable morals, but drunk driving was not one of his sins. Something grave had happened, but he couldn't remember what it was. He dug a hand into his pocket and experienced a moment of panic when he couldn't find what he was looking for. Then, near the bottom, his fingers touched the tiny head of a Star Wars action figure. He took it out to examine the angular helmet and jagged plastic edges where the head had been severed from the body. Okay, Boba Fett. He said, his voice sounding far away and tinny. If you have any idea of where we are, now is the time to let me know. I seem to have put my car somewhere I didn't mean to. 
Micah could hear this slurring in his words. What do you think, Boba? Boba Fett had nothing to say. With a sizable grunt, Micah grasped the door handle to push open the car door, and gravity made the door fly open and downward, and then bounce on its hinges. That was weird. The nose of the car wasn't level. With the door open, he placed one wobbly foot on the ground and realized the angle was because his car was in a ditch. Other details of consciousness came to him. The frigid late fall night air of Denver, the crunchy feeling of snow with a hard top layer collapsing under his shoe, and then wetness as his foot sank into the soft snow underneath. The sound of cars behind him. Highway, probably. Judging by how the sounds came from far away, peaked, and then faded. He tried to crane his leg to look behind him, but the stinging pain kept his head forward. Flashes of memory came to him like a blip when changing channels. Running away while someone chased him. Headlights illuminating blowing snow that skittered like a mass of wriggling white snakes. The pulse of neon lights and loud music. Maybe music from a dance club? Relentless, whirring bass so loud that it rumbled his stomach. That one made zero sense. Micah was not the glow stick dance club type and never had been. With both feet now on the slippery ground, he took a step into the real world and the weight of his injuries seized him. He stumbled, fell, then got back up and spent a few seconds trying to stave off the intense desire to puke into the ditch. Saliva welled at the back of his mouth and he breathed through it. He leaned against his car, drunkenly swaying as he tried to get his bearings. Why did he keep punishing his body like this? Why couldn't he say no to alcohol? Micah brought one of his hands close to his face and blinked several times to focus his weary eyes. The stinging paper cut sensations weren't paper cuts. His knuckles were bruised. He'd been punching someone. Thirty-six hours later, Micah Reed found himself staring at a limp bologna sandwich and a smattering of potato chips on an orange plastic plate. Next to that sat an orange cup filled with apple juice. Apple juice. He was wearing scrubs, which was the most embarrassing part of checking into a detox facility. His vomit-stained clothes had been bagged up when he'd entered, so he was wearing these paper-thin pieces of fabric, right down to the foam slippers and scratchy socks like prison garb, but somehow with less dignity. Oh, apple juice, he whispered. How did we end up here? He felt silly chatting with a glass of juice, but they'd confiscated Boba Fett and wouldn't give it back to him until his 72-hour observation period was up. So who the hell else was he supposed to talk to? His hand rattled a little as he reached for the cup of high-fructose corn syrup, but not as bad as it had yesterday. The shaking wasn't as persistent as the ache. He hurt in many places, but the benevolent fascists running this detox weren't willing to part with the serious pain meds. He was on a few different pills for alcohol withdrawal, but since he had no broken bones or severe internal bleeding, he was riding the ibuprofen train for his various aches and pains. The television droned on in the background of the 1970s-themed common room with this particular detox. Patterned wallpaper, bulbous lamps, pastel furniture... Stacks of tattered board games and donated DVDs lining the shelves and the walls. Some of the patients would eat their lunches in the dining room, but Micah found them to be a whiny and full of self-pity bunch, barking about how the system had wronged them. He couldn't claim injustice because the events of the night before last were a terrible blur, no one to blame for his downfall. But he knew that a few weeks ago he'd relapsed, 
yet again, after stringing together a few months of sobriety, and that first drink had been the mistake that set everything else in motion. The sound of heels clacked along the painted concrete behind him. Micah, said a syrupy female voice. He lifted his head because responding to the name Micah had become second nature to him. Micah wasn't the name he'd been born with, that had been Michael, but enough time had passed since he'd been forced to change it that his fake name almost felt like home. The same way he'd been pretending that Denver was his home. Yes, he said to the nurse standing over him. She wore horned-rimmed glasses, making her seem like another piece of the 1970s furniture to complete the set. There's a phone for you if you'd like to use it. You'll have to be quick, though, because group starts soon. Thank you, he said as he rose from the chair and abandoned his bologna sandwich. He might come back to claim it, but if someone else took it, he could live with that. Micah followed the nurse down a pale blue hallway to a semi-private booth, and she pointed at the solitary phone hanging from the wall. Make it quick, she said. You're allowed one phone call a day and a maximum of five minutes. After a humbling call to his boss and AA sponsor Frank, Micah said his goodbyes and slipped the phone back into the cradle. A tear formed in the corner of his eye, but he wiped it away before it could dribble down his cheek. On the way back to the common room, he stopped for a moment to watch a man sitting in the corner. He was old enough to be Micah's dad with thinning gray hair and red blotchy skin. Micah's dad had been in much better health the last time they'd talked, but he and this man shared the same hazy blue eyes, and now a different sense of guilt struck. The fact that his parents had no idea where he was and he couldn't tell them. He couldn't let them know that he was alive and staying in Denver. Would he want to tell them, though? How would they handle finding out he was still alive, let alone being in detox? The man in the corner sat with his knees close to his bloated chest and he was shaking a sweat dribble down his face. His hand gripped a can of orange juice with the straw poking out. The straw jittered along with the man's vibrations. Micah kneeled in front of him. You feeling okay? The man looked up at Micah, his eyes drooping and bleary. I'm cold, he said in a mucus-filled rasp. The same nurse from before poked her head into the common room. Everyone in classroom B for group now, please. We're starting in two minutes. The drunk in the corner turned his pleading eyes to Micah. I don't know if I can stand up. I think I peed myself. Micah put a hand on the man's shoulder. He did smell the faint odor of piss, but he tried his best not to sniff in an obvious way. Don't worry about it. You stay here. Micah got to his feet and groaned as his body told him not to work it so hard. Shut up, body. You do what I tell you because I'm in charge here. He went back through the hallway and ducked into the room he shared with the two other detox patients, then he lifted an extra blanket folded across his cot. He returned to the man and placed the blanket across his shoulders. Up close, Micah could definitely smell the piss and stink wafting around him like a tornado. The man started to blubber. Thank you. Can you help me up so I can go to group? Micah patted the man's hand. I'll tell them you can't go to group today. The man tried to speak through his blubbering, but no words came out. Then he gazed down at Micah's hand at his bruised knuckles and a moment of fear passed over his face. Micah wanted to tell the guy he had nothing to be afraid of, but he couldn't say that. He had no idea who or what he'd punched so violently to turn his hands into these testaments of rage. Micah sat on the steps in front of Arapaho House with a trash bag full of clothes he'd worn coming into detox three days before. The donated clothes he was wearing were too baggy, but he was glad to have them. He'd probably need to throw away the jeans and shirt from the bag or send them out to be cleaned. 
Boba Fett rode shotgun in his pocket, and the familiar bump made Micah feel a little better. Frank Mueller's old Chevy circled the parking lot and stopped in front of the steps. Micah didn't want to look at his boss, but he knew he was going to have to at some point. Frank was twice Micah's age and with just the right fatherly expression on his face. Difficult to endure sometimes. Micah slipped into the passenger seat as he tossed the bag in the back. Thank you. I know you had to take time out of your day. It's no trouble, kid. I've been picked up from places like this more times than I care to mention. Not once in the 20 plus years I've been sober, mind you, but plenty of times before that. The hazy day blurred the outline of the mountains to the west. Micah cleared his throat. Do you ever feel like an interloper? Frank ran a hand through his thinning hair. I don't know what the hell that word means, but if you're asking me if I feel like an outsider, then yeah, all the time when I was drinking. Now tell me how you got that shiner. Micah ran a finger over the tender spot next to his left eye. No idea. Sounds like you had yourself quite an adventure. I guess you could say that, but I don't remember what happened. He shifted in the seat. Did you find my car? I sure did. It's at an impound lot in Arvada. Micah stared out the window at this city that had been his adopted home for the last year as Frank pulled out of the parking lot. Are they going to arrest me when I show up to get it? Frank laughed, which turned into a hacking cough. That's the thing. I talked to a buddy of mine on the force. If you'd stayed in the car, they would have tagged you for DUI. But you're only going to get a ticket for unlawfully abandoning a vehicle. Micah sucked in an involuntary breath. Part of him felt grateful not to be in serious trouble, but part of him thought he deserved a DUI. What could have spurred him to drive in that state? I thought you'd be happy, Frank said, given your privacy situation. Micah considered Frank's statement, and he was right. I do try to avoid contact with the cops whenever I can. If one of them gets a bug up his ass about my ID and does too much digging, arrests me on suspicion of something, then that mugshot makes it online. That opens me up to all kinds of problems. Especially since now I've dropped out of the program, the feds won't be able to help me out if things get sticky. They spent the next 20 minutes in silence listening to the oldies station on the radio as Frank drove Micah to the impound. When they pulled into the gravel lot, kicking up dust behind the car, Frank parked and put a hand on Micah's shoulder. I can't take you to a meeting now. I have things I need to do. I'll go to one anyway, Micah said. You coming into work tomorrow? I have a task for you. Not just research. This is in the field stuff. Of course, I'll be there. Thank you, Frank. I'm, I'm sorry I let you down. Frank nodded. It's okay, kid. If you feel like you're going to take a drink, give me a call first. Don't try to white-knuckle it. Micah thanked Frank again and then made his way into the office to speak with the impound attendant. After the man had assured Micah his car was not too damaged to drive, he wrote a painfully large check to have it released, then they walked to his car. Micah examined the back and sides and found no damage. The front, however, had crumpled and the right front fender was missing and the headlight was hanging down from its socket. You're going to want to get that fixed, the impound man said. Then to further state the obvious, he waggled a finger at that broken hunk. You could get pulled over for that. After signing the release form, Micah waited until the man had gone back to his office. He sat down on the concrete in front of his car and traced a finger along the grill of his battered Honda Accord. He jammed the headlight back into place and picked at a strip of severed plastic jutting at him like a shiny knife. The plastic caught the light and he noticed something dangling from underneath the bumper. A piece of torn hose, possibly, or a string. 
He lowered to the ground and wrapped his hands around it to tug it loose. It wasn't a string, but a shoelace. He pulled on the shoelace, and as the bumper squeaked and cried, it gave way. Then he found himself holding a black and white woman's Adidas track shoe. And that is the first chapter of Airbag Scars. One thing you could probably tell right away since we read Paper Tiger last week um, is that this writing style is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty apparent to me, you know, because I wrote it. But I wrote these two things three years apart. And I wrote a lot of stuff in between those um those those two books and so yeah the airbag the writing style and airbag scars feels really different to me there's a lot more detail a lot more dialogue i think i've i've gotten shorter and um uh quicker with getting to the story anyway um so this is really this first chapter is really three different scenes and it is the very first thing i ever wrote about micah reed but the full behind the scenes story is that that airbag scars was originally not about micah reed um, I initially wrote it with a character named Micah, but he was not the same person. Let me explain. Airbag Scars began its life as a screenplay, and it was about a young man named Micah who was a drunk, and it was about him putting his life back together. While also, it told the story of a young woman named Hayden who begins the story with everything, then she gradually loses everything over the course of the story. And then the story was basically about how their lives intersect and how they affect each other. And to be honest, it was boring. It was like, I don't know, it was like a rom-com, but it wasn't funny. Um, it was basically just a drama about how these two people's lives interacted as they were going in different directions and how they helped or hurt each other, basically. But it was boring. And then later on, I rewrote it and added in the character of Donovan, and it got more interesting, and then I invented the character of Micah Reed. Micah Reed was an invention that came a couple years after I first envisioned the Airbag Scar story, and I thought this could be a part of Micah's story, a part of um, him moving to Denver and getting sober and discovering his identity. And so that's essentially where it came from. But after I wrote it, um, I decided not to really put it out there for sale because I didn't think it worked well as the first book in a series. It worked a lot better as a backstory or like as a prequel because I had already was already writing Nailgun Messiah. And I thought that Nailgun Messiah was the best book one for Micah Reed because it doesn't go into nearly... Nailgun Messiah doesn't go into as much detail and all... She'll talk about that more next week when we read the first chapter of Nailgun Messiah. But Airbag Scars was more like for context. I mean, I think it's still an exciting story. It has to do with Micah, and there is a woman named Hayden, although she's kind of a different character. And someone from Micah's past, a guy named Donovan, who finds Micah, and then it's sort of about this... Um, Basically, the theme of Airbag Scars is Micah's past begins to come back to haunt him, which is the theme of many of the Micah Reed books. But this one in particular, someone literally from his past comes back into his life and Micah has to figure out. He has to figure out how to react to things in a different way, how to now that he's a new person and no longer a quote unquote criminal, how to deal with problems in a new way. And meanwhile, he gets sober during the course of the book. So. He has those challenges to deal with. And while I think Airbag, Stars is, Airbag Scars is a good story, uh, I think it worked better as a book zero, um, not as the first Micah Reed book you would encounter. 
But anyway, if you haven't read it yet, um, and it's part of the full Micah Reed experience, there are tidbits about his past that you can only get in this book, that's for sure. And uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to jimheskett.com forward slash free and get it for free because you can't go buy it anywhere. It's only available in ebook, uh, at least as of this recording, it's only available in ebook. Who knows what will happen in the year 2065? Hello, future people. My name is Jim. Um, and that's all I have to say about it this week. So uh, I really appreciate you tuning in and coming on this ride with me. And you take her easy now. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.